Welcome everyone to another episode of Elbows Tight Podcast. It's your host Travis. Today I have a very special and fun interview for you. I have uh, Matt Guffey. He is a strength and conditioning coach down in San Jose, California. He is a brown belt under Coyotera, and he is a phenomenal wealth of knowledge. I say phenomenal way too much. I should probably stop saying that word so much. But also he has Victory High Performance is his strength and conditioning gym over in San Jose where he takes jujitsu athletes and makes them stronger to spend more time on the mat and less time off the mat and less time getting injured. This episode, I try to make sure that I focus mainly on how everyday practitioner can improve their strength and conditioning, improve their cardio uh, while maintaining a busy lifestyle and not necessarily be in the highest end competitor or having the most free time in their day. So a lot of the conversation is based towards that. I kind of wanted to make sure that people that compete a lot get something out of it and people that don't necessarily compete but want to stay fit and want to be able to train longer get a lot out of it too. Matt was a great guest. He was a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, I really think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. So make sure you guys listen to the whole thing and let me know what your favorite part is. And also, how do you strength and condition train for yourself over uh, outside of jujitsu? So let me know down in the comments below. DM me if you guys do do strength and conditioning. And if you do, do you do it by yourself? Uh, do you have a coach? I personally use Juggernaut BJJ through Chad Wesley Smith. The Juggernaut app for that. Uh, I absolutely love it. It's great. A whole lot of fun. And it also touches a lot of principles that Matt goes over in this episode. So you guys should probably check that out. Check out Matt. Everything's going to be down in the description below. And also, don't forget to go join the Facebook community. It's Elbros over on Facebook. Link down in the description below. And if you guys want some sweet Elbows Tight swag, this shirt is still available. If you guys are watching, the, the retro Elbows Tight shirt is still available. Elbowstight.com if you guys want that. And yeah, just follow me everywhere. Five-star review. I don't ask for it enough. Please give me a five-star review on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen, if possible. That is going to be the most organic way for people to find this podcast and by you sharing it. So thank you guys so much. Give it to someone that you think might need this. So, uh, And with that, I give you our sponsors and then Matt. Thank you, guys. Peace. What's up, guys? Are you tired of grappling body hair on and off the mats? Well, have no fear, because we have a solution that will keep you rolling smoothly and in style, thanks to Manscaped. Picture this, you're about to step onto the jiu-jitsu mats, ready to dominate and submit all your opponents. But wait, what's that? Your unruly body hair. <laughs> That's why you need Manscaped, the global leader in men's grooming. With their precision engineering tools, you could tame the hairiest situations and grapple yourself to victory. Imagine executing the perfect arm bar, all while knowing your bald hair is trying to sneak in a sneaky triangle choke. Thanks to the Lawnmower 4.0, you can easily eliminate that unwanted hair with this cutting edge technology. It's like a black belt for body hair. So to my fellow BJJ practitioners, whether you're a white belt or a black belt, let Manscaped be your secret weapon on and off the mats. Go to manscaped.com and use code ETP20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's ETP20 at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. And with Manscaped, you'll be a force to reckon with on the mats and in the mirror. Have you ever experienced the agony of sleepless nights when you're away from home? Well, let me tell you about a recent trip that I went on that became a sleep disaster. Picture this, you go on a thrilling adventure, leaving behind the comfort of your own bed. Unfortunately, also your beloved pillow. 
Little did I know the effect it would have on my sleep night after night, struggling to find that cozy, supportive feeling I had grown accustomed to. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, 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 Travis, you get paid by Mummy Pillow to promote their brand and their products. And it's very true, I do. But that's only because after using it, I absolutely could not believe how big of an impact it had on my sleep. Mummy Pillow has been a godsend for me and my sleep. Not having it on that trip and sleeping with those hotel pillows was horrible. I wish I would have brought it with me. And with Mummy Pillows, you also get a travel bag that comes with your pillow. So don't be like me. Bring your pillow everywhere you go and enjoy your night of sleep. And let me tell you, coming back home and finally sinking in into the embrace of that mummy pillow was like returning home to a long lost friend. <laughs> it was like my pillow had whispered to me, welcome back, my dear friend, rest well. Go to MVMISleep.com and use code ELBOWSTIGHT at checkout for 15% off. Once again, that's 15% off with code ELBOWSTIGHT at checkout. Sleep ambitiously with mummy. All right, guys, welcome to another episode. I literally just said this in the intro. I'm sure I haven't recorded the intro yet, but I'm going to say that in the intro. And I always say it at the beginning of these recordings when I'm actually starting. I need to figure out something else to say. I was just telling Matt I need to come up with a better first question, and I need to come up with a better intro to these episodes. Uh, today we have a special guest, Matt Guffey. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. Thanks, Travis. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for coming on. I'm super excited to talk about this. Strength and conditioning is probably one of my uh, second favorite hobbies outside of jujitsu right now. Uh, I have a little bit of a background from just coaching CrossFit and, uh, Olympic weightlifting and whatnot, not certified in anything, right? I just got some, like my CrossFit level one and USAW weightlifting level one. Um, but then I did it for a couple of years and coached a little bit. So when you reached out to me, I was like, I, if someone wants to talk about jujitsu and getting strong, I am a hundred percent down, <laughs> man. So thanks for reaching out and and wanted to come on the show, man. I'm I'm very pleasure to have you on. Yeah, of course. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, so let, for the people that at home that don't know you, uh, who who are you? Can you give me a little bit of uh, background of who you are and uh, your your business that you own? Yeah. Um, well, from a I guess from a jujitsu side, I'm a, a brown belt under Kyotera. Um, I, that's the only academy I've ever known or called this called home. I guess uh, I've trained at other academies, but um, I've been training under Kyo since I started. Um, I own a strength and conditioning facility called Victory High Performance uh, in San Jose, and we work with grapplers. Our whole mission is to um, teach grapplers how to get stronger off the mats so that they can spend more time on the mats. You know, we were talking about this off camera, just yep. uh, how important jujitsu is to the people who practice it. And you know, I know from personal experience how bad it sucks to be off the mats. Um, and so that's that's where Victory High Performance kind of uh, was born was out of um, trying to help people do more of what they love grapplers specifically but that wasn't i i heard in a, a couple of other interviews that wasn't the original plan for you you started off doing it for hockey right you were true yeah you were I helping my, hockey players right yep my background is in hockey um i played a little bit in college i played growing up in in virginia on the east coast and um when I was done playing, I moved out here to California to coach for the Sharks uh, amateur hockey division. Um, so I coached our top 18 and 16 year olds for the better part of four years. And then COVID hit, I had to 
transition. COVID. I know. You found out, I mean, that, not to take away from the gravity of the situation, obviously a lot of people, um, you know, it's, it's a serious thing, but uh, you found out really quickly which businesses are, we're going to pivot and which we're going to crumble. And yeah, we're, we're pivoters. <laughs> uh, so we just, you know, we made the best of what we had and started teaching hockey online, which was weird. I never thought I'd do that in a million years. And that kind of morphed into there was a, a strength and conditioning component to it because there's only so much you can do with a hockey player, one player, a puck and a net in their backyard on Zoom, right? You're not there. You can't do much with them. Other than you have to get really, really good with your words. So there's one positive to take out of the Zoom era of teaching hockey was uh, ha having to really, really dial in everything that I said had to be perfect if I wanted to get the reaction out of them that I wanted. And then the second was um, obviously having that strength and conditioning portion kind of um, laid the groundwork for what we have today. Um, so I started working with hockey players, but I found it really quickly that they leave uh, because they go play, you know, during their season, they leave, mm -hmm. they go to other parts of the country. And so I knew that that wasn't a sustainable business model. I thought to myself, where do I, where do I enjoy spending my time? Well, I love being on the mats. It's, if I'm not in the gym, I'm not at home. I'm, I'm at jujitsu. So why wouldn't I try to work with that person? And, um, that's, that's ultimately kind of the, the, the reason that it took the path that it, that it took. How long after you made the, the pivot did it start? did you start realizing like, okay, this is actually going to work. Like I'm, I can, this is more of a sustainable uh, business practice than having the on and off seasons of hockey. Like how long, how long did it, that, did you, were you like swimming above, like just below the water with a straw above? <laughs> yeah. Um, when the, the, I, I, maybe a couple months before the hockey off season ended, I started to come to the realization that these people were going to leave. I look at my books and I'm like, I'm screwed if I don't like figure something out out here. Um, so I started to work with um, I started to work with some of the black belts at at my gym, and I brought them in and try to show them kind of um, what it is that we do that that can, that can help them. Because ultimately, I, I say like one of the most overrated, um, I guess one of the most overrated things in the strength and conditioning world is like sport specificity. So. We won't do any like gi chin-ups or gi rows or anything like that. Our goal isn't to make it look exactly like jujitsu. It's to build yeah. a, a large athletic profile that will translate to any athletic endeavor. Now, there is some specificity and there's some things that we do that we do with grapplers that we didn't wouldn't do with hockey players and vice versa. However, the vast majority of the things that we do in the gym are just about building good athletics. And so once those guys came in and they started to feel the difference, then they started to pull other people in. And so it was a pretty quick transition. It, it you know, we went from like, I'd say 90% hockey players to 90% jujitsu players in a matter of months. Um, and now I, we're, we're hovering around that. I think we have some athletes who are from other sports. We've got some rock climbers, we've got some uh, BMXers, we got some, um, we got, we still have, I mean, we still have a hockey group who comes back every summer. Uh, but I'd say 90% of our members are jujitsu athletes, um, either hobbyists, lifestyle, lifestyleists, if you'll call them that, mm -hmm. or full-blown competitors. So how, how does your business work? Um, so do people come to you and it's kind of like a one-on-one -on -one private thing, or do you offer programming, or is it like just an open gym, like a global gym? 
that people come and work out and you kind of help them out as it goes? So it's, um, I guess the best term for it is small group personal training in that uh, you have the best of both worlds. You have an individualized program. It's something that we build for you and I'll explain the process behind that, but you execute it next to, or in a group of people, like-minded people, people who are there to help hold you accountable, to help cheer you on, to help, you know, to build relationships with, and all of that is led by a coach. Um, so we try to keep the, um, the athlete to coach ratio of four to one. We'll stretch to five if we absolutely have to, but four to one is kind of the sweet spot. And we feel we can give everybody enough attention. Um, we're able to coach those individual programs really, really well. Um, so that's the, that's the model. Now, getting into the individualized programming part, the way it starts is through a strategy session. So we hop on uh, a Zoom call and we go through goals, medical, injury history, schedule, training schedule, um, obstacles. We ask all kinds of questions. We go through a whole like um, we go through a whole intake form to give us as much information as we can get. And then what we do is um, we make a recommendation based on that. So say somebody trains five days a week on the mats, uh, you know, they compete regularly, but maybe also have a day job and it's tough for them to get in very often. So we might, I'd say the vast majority of our people just train twice a week, right? Which is probably a lot less than what most people think you need to do in order to make gains. Um, but if you structure it correctly, two times a week is fine. And actually we have some people who just train one time a week and that is, that's been more than enough for them. So anyways, at the end of the strategy session, we make a professional recommendation. They either sign up or they don't. If they sign up, then the next step is to schedule a, a strength and movement assessment. So we go through, um, cars assessment, FMS. Um, if I, I can dive into those two, if you want, but, uh, cars assessment, FMS, and then a couple of strength tests just to see where everybody's at so that we know, is there anything that we need to look out for when we build a program for this person? Do they have any movement or mobility limitations? Do they have previous injuries that maybe they didn't disclose on the intake form? Uh, are there imbalances from side to side? Is there, um, is there any low hanging fruit? What is the thing that we can do right now? That's going to give us the best bang for our buck. That's going to get them the best results, the quickest. And then, uh, we build the program based on all of that information, everything we got through the strategy session and the movement and strength assessment. And then we build the program and then they come in and they execute it, like I said, in a group, but with a coach who's there to kind of guide them and hold their hand. No, that's great. That's like, uh, it's, it sounds similar. I'm not going to say it's CrossFit, but it sounds similar to the group exercise, like, like in CrossFit and whatnot, except for that's not individual programming. It's, it's, a you know, a group, everyone does the same workout and, but there are people that will come in and open mat or open mat time, <laughs> open gym time. And they'll, they'll do like individual programming and coaches are there to help right. you know, with technique and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that was probably one of my favorite parts of coaching and being in, you know, that field was, I remember uh, a lady came up to me and, you know, we we work on like general fitness, you know what I mean? Just like overall health. And, a lady came in and she's like, Hey Travis, I just want to say thank you. I walked up my stairs yesterday and I didn't get winded. And I was like, Holy crap. Like that's like a big victory. You know that's what I mean? It's the coolest feeling in the world. Yeah. Amazing. I couldn't yeah. believe like how just something so simple that most people take advantage of, you know, this, this lady was beyond grateful, you know, that she was able to do it, you know, carrying, being a dad, carrying both kids and, you know, at the same time or carrying all the groceries in with one trip, you know, those little things in life, like they're, they're uh they're they're great and you know a lot of people don't understand 
how those can be life-changing for some people. You know what I mean? What, what's one of the things that you notice when grapplers come in that is probably the biggest eye-opener for them uh, typically when, when they start working with you? Um, that, it, that it doesn't have to be as backbreakingly hard as you think. Uh, the whole point of what we do is to build people up, not break them down. And so, you know, the old school way of thinking is, well, it's got to be hard if it's going to be worth it. And I got to be you, crashed and, and by you the have end to be of it. sore and you have to be <laughs> out of breath. And, and that's not yeah. it at all. Like the, the goal is to elicit a very specific um, physiological adaptation. And sometimes that doesn't take much at all. And, and we're, you know, the whole goal is minimum effective dose, right? Because if we can get the same results doing less, why wouldn't we? That mitigates right. risk. It mitigates soreness. It allows you to do more of the of the sport, which is ultimately what's going to get you better at the sport is doing more of the sport. So I think that's probably the biggest misconception. We've had some people come in and they're like, well, I want to work out four days a week. And I'm like, well, two days would probably be fine. And if you get the same results doing doing two days a week, why wouldn't you? I don't yeah, you know, I I, I don't know why that is. I, we're still trying. We're battling that narrative. Um, so I think if if I had to say the biggest misconception is probably that you have to train every single day and that it should be super, super hard every single time. I'm not saying there, there isn't a place for that. We do have tough lifts. It's not easy. It's not a cakewalk for, by any means, but it doesn't have to be that way all the time. And in fact, it shouldn't be that way all the time. Otherwise you just end up redlining and then overtraining and then getting hurt. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I, I noticed too, uh, I do um, juggernaut BJJ from Chad Wesley Smith. Um, he's in, I think he's in the San Jose area also. Okay. Uh, but so he has like an AI program app and stuff. But yeah, a lot of this stuff, I we, we have a Facebook group and people are like, oh man, today was like really easy. Should I like have done more weight or should I have pushed it harder or something like that? And Chad, you know, he's the owner. He's like, no, he's like, those days are meant to be easy. Like you don't need, he's like, you still are doing something that is benefiting you. And just because you don't feel like you strained your muscles or you broke down muscles or there were still a physical, like you mentioned a physical adaptation that was like very small, but there was something there. It was building a different thing. Right. Um, when it, when it comes to, you know, strength training for jujitsu, uh, what, what makes it uh, different than just like a general fitness? Um, honestly, not much there. You know, our whole philosophy is to move from least complex to most complex most general to most specific. Um, so everybody starts really similarly where the differences come in is probably the, um, well, on an individual basis, mobility limitations are going to be different for everybody. And so, uh, I would say that, um, that fact probably drives a lot of our programming decisions when it comes to, from, as far as grapplers go, that that's like one of the main things. Um, the second thing is we spend so much time on the mats at end ranges of motion. It is of, uh, well, it's imperative to, to train that on or in the gym, right? To train at end ranges. And so I'm not sure if you're familiar with the FRC lens, functional range conditioning, all that stuff, mm -hmm. but it's, it's all about, bringing the joints to it to their end range training the joints at that end range so that they are prepared for forces applied on them that you didn't choose to apply right 
that's, you know, human tissue breaks down when the force applied to it exceeds the tissue's ability to absorb that force. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a piece of paper or cloth or your joint or your muscle, if the amount of force applied to it exceeds its ability to absorb that force, it's going to break. That's physics. Um, so the whole, the FRC lens is probably one way that, that, um, that differentiates like strength and conditioning for jujitsu athletes versus general population. That's not to say we don't use FRC stuff with general population. It just may be not as important all the time, um, because jujitsu athletes have higher, um, mobility requirements. They have more demanding mobility requirements. Can you give like an exercise example that people could understand a little bit of what you're talking about is this like a fully extending in a bicep curl and then bring it contracting all the way back in or depth and squat like what, what can you give like an example yeah um the best example i could probably give for jujitsu athletes um well hip mobility seems to be a pain a common pain point in jujitsu athletes and so um, if you're familiar with that like 90-90 position where you're sitting on the ground, you've got one leg that's you know out in front of you kind of in a 90-degree angle and then the other one kind of behind you in a 90-degree angle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most everybody has seen that or, or hangs out on the mat kind of in that position. Um, that's a really common way. It's not the end all. It doesn't have to be that way to train hip mobility, but um, that's one position that we work fairly often with our jujitsu athletes is that Essentially, you can do this for any joint. It doesn't matter if it's the hips, shoulders, elbows, wrists, whatever. You do it for any joint. The whole idea behind the FRC lens is taking the joint to its end range and then applying force, uh, applying force into toward the end range and at progressively higher intensities until you are at max effort. And then without moving anything, trying to essentially um, pull away from the end range at max effort again, so that you're working on, uh, applying high levels of force at the very, very end of that joints capability. Um, like if I, like, I can't show you the 90, 90 now, but like the, like the <laughs> wrist, right? So like the wrist, like this is as far as my wrist can go. Uh-huh. Right. So after going through, um, some like mobilization stuff to lubricate the joint, prepare it for higher levels of work. I might physically block one side and then at progressively higher intensities, press up into my hand as if I were trying to open my wrist, right? So 20%, 40%, 60, 80, safest, greatest effort, everything I could possibly give. And then after eight to 10 seconds of that, I'm trying to pull it off the, the physical block in order to you know push into or toward the, the very end range. And so in doing so, I've, I've applied that high level of force to this range where most people spend their time in, in here, right? This is, it, this is kind of weird for most people. But in jujitsu, this happens all the time, right? You get wrist locked, you're yes. going to be here. And so <laughs> being able to fight that off <laughs> and being able to fight that off, or, or maybe not being able to fight that off, but being, being exposed to that force before you ever get on the mats is important in um, for developing resiliency, right? If somebody applies force to my wrist and I haven't, I haven't mm. already applied that force on my own, it's going to break, right? Yeah. Like that's, that's the whole idea behind the FRC lens is 
is to um, train the joints to experience high levels of force before somebody else puts you there, right? Because that's that's ultimately when injuries happen. So when when it comes to like exercise selection, like and then execution of them, say like a back squat or something like that, you know, we always hear squatting below ninety when you're back squatting, front squatting, whatever. When it comes to jujitsu, is that a priority? Like, should people really be worrying about squatting below ninety? Astagrass, what it, what we used to call it back in the day. Like, is that necessarily um, a common occurrence that should be happening in the gym when someone's strength conditioning? Um, I'm gonna hit you with two answers. The first is we don't back squat any of our athletes. Actually, really? Um, yeah, we I, we haven't back squatted anybody um, unless they're a barbell sport athlete. Honestly, I think the back squat's a little overrated. Um, in that, I'm going to, I'm going to clip that and then we're going to go ahead and put that on the internet. (laughs) Yep. That's, I know that'll be controversial, but I think the back squat's overrated for a couple reasons. Number one, the spinal compression alone is not worth it. Uh, as jujitsu athletes, our spines are constantly being compressed. And so adding, um, adding extra compression to the spinal column, I think is overkill. Um, the second is from a, uh, sports performance perspective, very rarely are we two feet on the ground, 50% weight on either foot pressing in one direction. And so we use a lot of single leg versions of the squat in order to get a better, uh, safer because there's no spinal compression and more, um, uh, well, it's an adaptation that's more likely to translate to the sports performance side of things. Um, so you'll see split squats, um, Bulgarian split squats or rear foot elevated split squats, single leg squats. Yeah, I know they're not fun. (laughs) They're not fun, but they are, they work, honestly, they work and they're, uh, you know, they are, um, one of the best ways to develop single leg strength is hands down, like the it's the way it's it is um the most transferable quality you can build in the gym uh from a strength perspective right it's because you do everything one leg at a time you walk one leg at a time run one leg at a time when you're passing the guard you're very like i said very rarely with both feet on the ground 50 percent on both feet you're shifting your weight from side to side um, oftentimes having to balance on one leg while somebody tries to push and pull you so developing that single leg strength is is key. Um, as far as the depth goes, I think it's really, really important to train as close to a full range of motion as you can. It might not seem like you need to go like astagrass or, you know, like all the way through the thing, but as close to it as possible is better. Because if you think about like jujitsu, if you're on your back, and somebody's pressuring into you and you've got your feet on their hips or their chest or their shoulder or whatever, your knee is getting compressed all the way in your heels, probably on your butt at some point, and you're going to have to push them off. And so if you haven't trained that range, it's going to be, it's going to be more difficult to do so um, when you get on the mats. So I mentioned before we started recording too, that I kind of want to talk about how the everyday grappler can, if they don't have, you know, a lot of time, they're always busy. You know, a lot of people that listen to this are, you know, like me, you know, they have kids, day job, 401ks. They don't, they can't get injured during jujitsu because not only it takes them off the mats, it takes, it, it's a possibility that it takes them out of work too. So how can 
like your everyday grappler do things when they only have like 15, 20 minutes, maybe an hour if they're lucky to in their day to improve their strength and conditioning to prevent injuries? Yeah. So again, another two pronged uh, answer here. The first part is um, if you don't have equipment uh, or if you don't have a lot of space or whatever it is, isometrics are your friend. You can make any bodyweight exercise really, really difficult yes. if you just hold the position, <laughs> yeah. which which has high transferability when it comes to jujitsu because that's that's what happens a lot, right? You you get a position and you hold the position, uh, and so can you uh, explain isometric real quick, just in yep. case people at home don't know? So, um, say, for instance, if you're thinking about a squat, just squatting down into the bottom of the squat and holding the squat, um, and not just like, if you have the mobility to sit all the way down to the ground, not doing that, but you want tension on the muscle the whole time. So if you were to stop at 90 degrees, say, right. And just hold for 30 seconds or a minute. Or if you think about a plank, a plank is an isometric exercise or a side plank. Um, it's anytime there's, there's no muscle movement involved, but there is muscle contraction happening. That's your isometric. Uh, that's your isometric. So for somebody who doesn't have equipment or doesn't have um, have a lot of space, isometrics are your friend. Uh, those are really easy ways to build strength. Isometrics and eccentrics, I should say. I've had so I've got one uh, one member who uh, he competes nearly every weekend. He travels a lot. He's always in hotels. He doesn't always have a gym, and so we built him a program that was built on time under tension, right? Mm -hmm. How long can we keep, how long can we hold the contraction? So one of his, like one of his exercises was a split squat. So one foot forward, one foot back. And it was a minute long rep. So 30 oh seconds down, gosh. 30 seconds up. I'm already sweating. It's crazy, <laughs> right? But that's how you can do it, right? And, yeah. and we're not going to do a ton of sets of that. You might do one or two sets of that, but that's enough. And yeah. so if you don't have the, if you don't have the space or the equipment, that's one way that you can do it. Um, is through isometrics and eccentrics. Just slowing everything down will help. If you do have, you know, a gym um, or somewhere you can go that you can you can do that stuff. Um, the key, and I guess this goes for both cases, in general, is you want to push something, you want to pull something, you want to squat, you want to hinge, you want to lunge, and you want to carry stuff. Those are the um, really those are the staples as far as strength and conditioning goes. Um, if you didn't know where to start, those things are going to give you the most bang for your buck. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Um, it can be, you can, you know, the more I've learned, the the simpler my programs have gotten, right? Um, because yeah. they, they, you don't need a ton of bells and whistles and, you know, crazy exercises. Instagram is a tre treasure trove for as much for uh, crazy uh, jujitsu techniques as it is for, uh, you know, crazy uh, exercises in the gym. You see people balancing on things they don't need to balance on and jumping off things they don't need to jump off of. Doing pull-ups with a bench and a barbell yeah. attached to them. <laughs> like, you don't, <laughs> you know, it makes for good, I guess it makes for good social media, but it, it's honestly 99.99999% of people are not going to do that or they're not going to need to do that to get the adaptation that you're looking for. So squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, carry. Um, if you do those, you'll be all right. 
So let, let's talk about you. You've competed quite a bit, and you work with competitors. Do you also program warm ups for them before they step on the mats for um, competition? That's funny you say that. Actually, I, you know, I hadn't before, but I the more I've competed, the more I've realized that everybody who's competing is just winging it. Bro, uh, I'm gonna. I just so I just interject. <laughs> I just competed for the first time last weekend, and this was something that I was like what the hell am I supposed to do right now? I'm just like jumping around, like stretching arbitrary things. You know what I mean? And I was like, I really just don't understand what is going to give me the best banger for my buck right now in this 15 minutes I have before I go jump on the mats and compete at full strength, full speed, full intensity. You know what I mean? Okay. So shameless plug, go to, <laughs> go to our, go to our Instagram at victory high performance if you click the link in our bio, uh, the very first thing is it is a warm up for BJJ competitions. Oh Jesus, man! What am I doing with that? <laughs> Go there, get that. It's free. We want people to use it. My dream is is to show up to a competition, be in the bullpen, and see other people doing the things that I'm doing. Because it, it is it is completely random. People are all over the place. Um, it, it's so. The way we've structured it is just like how we would structure more or less our lifts in the gym. Okay, so the first thing is we want to mobilize the joints. Uh, so we go through a full CARS routine. For those who are unfamiliar, CARS stands for Controlled Articular Rotations. And essentially, it's just isolating each joint and moving it through the full range of motion. Super simple. Um, there's a whole, you know, we go through from the neck all the way down to the toes in that video on our Instagram. Um, uh, the key there is to, what we're trying to do is we're trying to lubricate the joints, prepare them for higher levels of work, right? Uh, then once you get through the cars routine, we go through just a dynamic warmup and it's built so that you can do it standing in place because you don't have a lot of space in the bullpen, right? You go in and there's a bunch of people around and you maybe have, I don't know, four square feet to yourself. And so you got to be able to do something without having to make a lot of, you know, use a lot of space. And so it's something as simple as just knee hugs in place, the quad stretch in place. Um, uh, we go through skips. There's a little bear crawl variation, uh, like a high knee run, uh, straight leg kicks. Like there's several things that you can do that don't take any space that you can use to prime. Or first, we want to like raise the heart rate. Um, increase the temperature of the of the tissue, right? So that you're not going in cold into you know full blown competition, um, and to what's called potentiate. So just uh, make things springy, right? We want to we want to be fast when we go. So um, we got to do some like pogos and skips and things like that to kind of get ourselves in into the rhythm or into the um, you know into that space where we're able to explode quickly. Um, but we also don't want to gas out, right? You see how many people, you probably saw, uh, we, we kind of poke fun at it, but you, you probably saw a bunch of people doing burpees, a bunch of people doing jumping jacks, a bunch <laughs> of people doing, you know, pushups really fast. You probably saw a bunch of crunches, right? And so, you know, while all of those things do increase your heart rate and they might warm you up, they don't warm you up from a sports performance perspective, which is our goal. And how long is that? Is that video? How long? Video is eight minutes, um, okay. and you can follow along with it. It's it. It might take you a little bit longer to, to you know at the beginning, just learning the sequence. But once you learn the sequence, it takes 10, 15 minutes tops to to do the whole thing. 
Um, and then we've got a whole, like, we've got a bunch of information on, you know, what happens if my, uh, what happens if my bracket gets delayed? Cause that happens all the time. Well, okay. You just, you just stop and then go through it again. You just, you know, you adjust your timing based on, uh, based on when your bracket's supposed to go. Um, and then the other thing, the other thing that people could use it for is honestly open mats. Cause how many times have you got on the mat? You go to open yeah. mat, slap, bump, go. And then <laughs> next thing you know, somebody's hurt. And so that's, I'd say that's probably the, the, you know, probably one of the leading causes of injury at open mat is people just don't warm up. And yeah. so this, this warm up is, can be used for competition or open mat or, you know, whenever you step on the mats, um, it's, it's worth going through. Um, cause it's going to get you, it's going to get you the most bang for your buck, um, from a warm up perspective. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have a link for it down in the description below. If you guys are listening cool. to this at home, it, it, the link will be for, or down in the description below. Because I know a lot of people, since I like I mentioned, I just competed my first time. A lot of people were like, oh, man, I've been on the fence about competing and blah, blah, blah. And competing was a, a great experience. It definitely learned a lot. One thing I learned is when I officially weighed in, I didn't know that. And I was fasted the entire competition, uh, which was another great thing. And then also my, my gas tank was was not very good. After uh, about three quarters of the way through my second match, I was I was dead. What what are some things that uh you know someone can do? Uh, obviously, strength for conditioning. Jujitsu is going to be number one. Do more jujitsu if you want to build your conditioning for jujitsu. Right? Would be like number two that someone can do. Uh, I always hear don't do long runs. Right? Long runs don't necessarily translate over directly to jujitsu. And I hear like, don't do sprints or whatever, doing jujitsu. But what would you say is some other great ways to build your conditioning for jujitsu? Um, so there's a few things. The first, the first is uh, building, building a higher strength ceiling means you have to use less energy to do the same thing, right? Like if I, if it takes me a hundred percent of my effort to move a hundred pounds of something, if I train and get strong, then moving that hundred pounds doesn't take a hundred percent of my effort anymore. Maybe it takes 75% or 50%. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Get strong is your, is your, uh, is your first line of defense. Second, um, from a conditioning standpoint, I've been experimenting with what are called lactic power intervals. And I, I learned about this through Joel Jameson, who's a big, uh, he works with a lot of UFC fighters. Um, he's been, He's been in the the grappling game for a long time from, from a strength and conditioning standpoint. And so what I've been doing is um, I'll hop on the Airdyne bike and I sprint for 20 seconds as fast as I can. And then I rest for 90. And then I sprint for 20 seconds, rest for 90, sprint for 20 seconds one more time. And then I'll rest for like eight minutes, right? Because typically between your matches, you'll probably have eight to 10 minutes, give or take. There's probably be at least one more match in between your next one, sometimes two. And then I do go through that protocol one more time. And then you can uh, progress that, you know, as you, as that gets easy, you can go 22 seconds, right? And then rest for maybe, you know, 100 seconds instead of 90. Um, so there's ways to progress that. But that's that's been something that I've experimented with and I feel really, really good. Um, it's 20 on, 90 off, three times. Rest for eight minutes, repeat once. Um and then, so that has helped. It's helped my anaerobic base, helped my aerobic base. It's helped. It's helped me uh, not gas out so quickly. And then the third thing is is match economy. Is just getting better at jujitsu means you have to spend less energy to do the thing, 
right? Because you, you know, you will have seen all the reactions and you've seen, um, you know, you just, you've seen everything everybody's going to throw at you. And so you don't have to work quite as hard to maintain the position. Or if you're a step ahead of somebody, you know, if you've got the, um, if you know the sequence quicker than the other person does, then maybe, you know, you get a step ahead and you get two steps ahead. Next thing you know, you can kind of hold a position and rest and um, put yourself, um, you know, you put yourself in a better position to not gas out uh, when the time comes. Yeah, that, that was like one thing that I was like, man, I feel great on this first one. I felt strong. Then the second one, it was like a good back and forth. I was like, I passed his guard and got swept, blah, blah, blah. But then once he got into mount, my body was like, later, bro. Like, <laughs> I, I appreciate your effort, but we ain't got nothing else for you. And it was uh, for my second match to my third match, it was just five minutes. It was, I was basically, I got off the mat and by, they're like, by the way, you're on deck for third. I was like, great, man. I'm already dead. <laughs> and so I, I step on the mat and uh, yeah, I was there was nothing there. Like the guy was automatically like super physical. And in my head, I, t I was like, what, what, how do you want to submit me? Just let me know. Just, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm so dead right now. You know, um, when it comes to like, like cutting weight or competition prep for people, how do you guys, uh, do that? I guess I wanted to, I wanted to say like loading and stuff, but I don't think we need to go that deep into like loading and, drop-offs and whatnot but how what's like the general way that someone should prepare for a competition through a strength and conditioning uh mindset i'm gonna give you another hot take here for for instagram i don't think <laughs> i don't think people should cut weight i i vehemently yeah. advise against it i think it's um it is this strange phenomenon that it everybody walks around like well everybody does it so i do it and it doesn't have to be that way. It, it, it shouldn't be that way. Not only is it um, like weight cycling in general is just really bad for your metabolism. Um, but from a sports performance uh, perspective, there is no, um, there is no science behind any potential advantage from cutting weight. In fact, if, if there's any science, it's, it's that, it's a, a gross detriment to your sports performance at the end of the day because you're dehydrated and you're not fueled. And I would rather be the strongest. I'd rather be, I would rather be the lightest person in my, I, I compete at middle heavy and I'd rather be the lightest person in middle heavy, but just get really strong hmm. and compete against guys who are 200 cutting down to 195 and dehydrated. I'm going to be in a better position, not just physiologically because I'm fueled and I'm hydrated, but, but mentally because you just put yourself through a cut and I've cut, listen, I'm not, I'm guilty of it. I've done it before at uh, white and blue. I competed mostly at lightweight. Um, at the time I was walking around naturally 175 ish and I was cutting down to, you know, 165. Ooh. My lightest got down to 158 because I was doing no gi at lightweight. Um, which is one, I believe 162. And so, um, it was miserable and I would get, I had that same experience where I was like, just, I just want it to be over. I just want to eat. I couldn't think about anything else. I just, I, I don't, what am I doing this for? And so, um, I think I would rather people get really strong and stay at the weight they're at, be fueled, be hydrated, 
feel better physically, feel better mentally. And then, you know, you've got so much more room to make decisions and to think through problems when you're not starving. <laughs> yeah, my, my weight cut, I, I call it a weight cut. Really, it was I just I signed up for the competition a week before uh, and then my weight class was, you know, 208 and I walk around 208 in the morning, like in just normal clothes. And so I was like, well, I got to drop a pound or two this week and, you know, try to try to get below 208 in my gi. Well, the last night I, had, I did a little bit of a water cut. I just jumped on my treadmill, did a couple of Epsom salt baths and, you know, just cut a little water weight. And so I, I still felt really good that morning, even after the, I air quote, the weight cut, you know, cause it was, I was like a pound and a half or something like that, maybe two pounds. And, uh, but like I mentioned, like I didn't know, I was completely oblivious that I had officially weighed in. So I never ate or drank anything after my weigh-in because I thought I had to weigh in again. And so I'm like just sitting there like, well, okay, I guess we're going on the mats now. <laughs> like, uh, it was just a crazy experience. But now yeah. I know, now I know like uh, when when you, when you I stepped on that scale next time, if I ever compete again, now I know like, oh, that's the official weigh-in. Now I can drink some electrolytes. I can, I don't have to stress about like, missing weight or something like that it was just a, a crazy experience and you know not having a coach there was probably something something else that i was like oh man like can someone tell me what's going on here I just... <laughs> you know that that actually that brings up something that I, I meant to mention earlier when it comes to not gassing out one of the things that joel jameson talks about in a lot of his work is you know from a conditioning standpoint it's not just uh like conditioning the heart and conditioning the lungs and conditioning the muscles conditioning the mind is just as important and so the more I've competed, the less stress I feel from the crowd, the noise, the heat, the, you know, all of the other little things that could happen, the delays, you know, it, it it's it kind of unfazed. It's I'm not, I'm unfazed at this point Yeah. because I've, I've felt it so often. I have my, um, I have my routine down. I know when to show up. I know exactly what I'm going to do. And so in developing that routine, I have so much more mental capacity for the task at hand, and I find myself uh, much better able to solve problems in the in the moment because I haven't been thinking about all that other stuff, right? Um, I I know, like I said, I know when to show up. I know how to warm up. I know where to be, when to be there. Um, I'm not phased by the noise anymore, and so it just that's another piece of conditioning. It's just you got to do it. You got to do it a lot, and it's different than when you go train at the yeah. academy, right? Because all of those other factors are not there. Um, and that's, that's a major piece of it. I think from a conditioning standpoint is conditioning the mind just as much. That was, that was one thing that was probably the most surprising to me is, you know, people were telling me, Oh, it's, you're just doing jujitsu. You're just doing jujitsu. And I was there and I was like, no, this is not just jujitsu. Even on the mat, it's not just jujitsu. Like it is in a sense of like, you know, we're not, they're not throwing arbitrary rules in there or something like that or changing the way you do jujitsu. But there are a lot of factors that go into getting ready, showing up, stepping on the mat, performing on the mat. It's a whole different skill set. Hundred percent. That that I was like, bro, it, I I there was no way that I would. I'm I'm surprised. Like after competing for the first time, I'm surprised when people win tournaments on their first time competing. Like because there was just so much going on. I was like, I was like, man. Okay, so now I'm on deck. What does that mean? Oh, that means I'm next. I'm, I'm, you know, like there's like even terminology going on, mm -hmm. and and you know, 
time kind of goes by fast in some aspects and slow in other aspects, right? Because I went to a neon belly and I was like sitting there counting and I was like, did I get my points? And I look over at the ref and I saw his hand goes up. I was like, man, that felt like a way longer time yeah. than I thought. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then we kept going and then boom, the match was over. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. there's like these small moments where time kind of like slows down and then it speeds up. And like you mentioned, I think the only way you get used to that is by doing it repetitively. Yeah. It was a, uh, it was cool, man. I, I definitely enjoy it. I kind of, I didn't get nipped by the bug. Like I mentioned, like I competed a lot in weightlifting or CrossFit. So now I'm in my, you know, mid thirties, the, the drive to compete is not really there anymore, but I kind of want to do it again just to build that skill set. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. a whole nother skill set of jujitsu. I was like, Oh crap. Like this kind of like unlocks a new level for me. <laughs> it is, it is a skill. Like learning to compete is a skill that goes, you know, that's as much for, like we said, the, all the other things that go into it as it is the actual technique itself. Um, you know, having that mindset about not accepting a sweep or, uh, you know, working a little bit extra, working a little bit extra to get out of that position that you didn't want to be in, um, that I think, uh, that translates really well. I mean, when you, when you get back to the academy, you know, I try to use competition as a, I, I try to think of competition as just, it's just data, right? Like unless you're competing at the world, uh, adult black belt level, none of it matters. You know, like I, I'll, as a hill, I'll die on it. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Yeah. And it's all just practice up until that point. And so I try to use competition. This is something that one of my training partners, um, he's one of the black belts uh, at our gym now. He, you know, he encouraged me when I first started, he was like, compete early, compete often. You know, I use competition to sharpen my game here, not the other way around. I mean, yes, you do use the academy to sharpen your game for, for competition. But if you just look at the, the, the things that happen on the mat during competition and whether good or bad and just say, okay, how can I change my game now that I know this thing that I didn't know before, right? Cause you're going to see things that you never saw. And now that I know this, how do I change my game here? And then you fix it and then you go back and you try it again. Okay. There's another box I need to check. I didn't know that before. Come back, fix it and then go back and, and you just keep doing that over and over. And they kind of, they kind of feed each other. Right. Um, and so I think there's, when you, when you think of competition that way, or you, when you look at it in that lens, um, or through that lens, rather, I think that's uh, that's ultimately what moves people's jujitsu forward very quickly. What is it like training at an academy like Kyotera's? You know the 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 headquarters for Cairo, right? Mm -hmm. Like you guys, like you got a uh, Benji there. Uh, Christina just left and moved to Florida. You have Mason Fowler, Jason Kalipa drops in there. I mean, we could just name drop all day long. You know what I mean? Like, what is it like training with, with, uh, some of these, uh, uh, um, people in your area? Everybody's good. Uh, everybody's competitive. Everybody's good. It's a competition school. That's not to say that there aren't hobbyists. I, I, I like to think there's kind of three different kinds of jujitsu practitioners. There's uh, you know, you hear about the hobbyists who are just in it for fun and then you hear about the competitors, but then there's kind of somewhere in the middle is like a life, like I mentioned earlier, like the lifestylist, somebody who I like, I train six, seven days a week. It's not a hobby for me. This is a way of life. And while competition is not my full-time job, I compete as often as I can. Um, but it'll, I'll never be a, a full-time competitor. Just like, that's not something that, that I that I want to do. It's not something that I, um, 
that I aspire to, but I do enjoy competing. I'm a competitive person. I, you know, grew up playing sports and that's fun for me. Um, so the, the, the whole spectrum, hobbyist, lifestylist, competitor, everybody is good. Even the hobbyists are good, um, because the technique is, um, well, the, the technique is so high, like the level of technique is so high and Kyle places such a heavy emphasis on perfect technique every time. Like if you get a belt from Kyle, you deserve it because people don't, he doesn't promote just anybody. There's no like pity belt, you know, uh, whether that's, whether you're, you know, a, a kid or you're 60 years old and you just started like to get your blue belt from Kyle means something. Um, so everybody is good. Everybody's competitive. Everybody pushes hard. Um, I would say that's, uh, if I, that's not to say that there aren't people like that at other gyms. Um, it just seems like, and I've trained at other gyms, like I've been to other places, I've traveled all over the world and I've trained everywhere. And it just seems like there is a level of detail at Kyo's that I don't see at every other place. Yeah. I, I watch, you know, a lot of you guys is, uh, people online and, and I'm like, man, like it would just be cool to be in a place like that. You know what I mean? Like where in our academy, we have one black belt, two brown belts, one purple belt, and you know, the rest are like blues and whites. And so we're a small academy, but we have another academy here where Georgia Song, who was the first uh, American black belt in the Pacific Northwest, he's here in my town. And, you know, you go to class over there and, you know, there's three, four, five black belts in class and, you know, a lot of brown belts and purples and stuff. And it, it's it's cool because when you have that much knowledge in a room and that much ability in a room, everyone just gets better. You yeah. know what I mean? Like not 100%. saying that our school sucks because we don't have higher belts, but it's just different, right? There's yeah. a maturity that comes when you have someone that has raised, you know, white to black underneath them multiple times. And, you know, I think, I think people that experience that don't, especially at the beginning of their journey, they might not fully understand, like, that's an advantage in, sure. in my eyes, you know, For sure. it's, it's 100 or having a 12 time world champ as. <laughs> and listen, those, those people you mentioned train, it's not like they're just there and they fight under the name they're there on the mats with everybody every day and you get a chance to train with really really high level people like my one of my first coaches was yuri samois i had no idea who that was when i first came in i was like okay this guy he's big he's intense like he you know i had no idea you know and then i and then i start to like you know, and I'm learning from him and then I start to, and I start to see him compete more. And then I, and then I hear some things and then I read some things and then I watch some videos and I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is like, this is like this one of the legit. best grapplers on the planet. And like, well, this is crazy. So yeah, you're right. The, the level, um, the level just, it, it goes up so quick because those people are there every day on the mats, um, you know, and they help people who are just behind them and then they help people who are just behind them and it just kind of trickles down. Um, so even you know, we've had people come in and they're like, man, like the white belts here are different. <laughs> like, yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I definitely don't want to come with my blue belt on. I'll come with the white belt on and just see how, how I do. I you should I come won't. through. We would love to have you. Yeah. I have a family that lives in um, Fresno. And so, I mean, that's like two and a half hours away from you guys. That's yeah, where but... my wife's family is from, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 So we have family that lives down there and we visit them probably once a year. And I was like, oh, man, maybe Come I'll through. make the drive up to 
yeah dr- make the drive up to san jose and please and, do we'd love to have you yeah that'd be great it, it'd be a cool experience too and and meet some yeah. high level athletes you'd be like man i trained with nathan orchard nathan orchard lives out here uh, across the water in seattle and uh he came through and did a seminar a nogi seminar for our academy a, a couple of years ago and we had him on the podcast and that was like a big eye opener for us because you know obviously nathan's you know the top 0.01% of jiu-jitsu athletes you know literally has a, a move named after him and <laughs> yeah and uh rolling with him it was like an eye opener like man like you understand there's levels to jujitsu, but then there's like it's, levels above the levels that you can even comprehend. You know what I mean? It's crazy. It is crazy. Like I, I, I was talking to my coach about this. My, my coach, Vitor Pasquale is my coach, black belt under Kyle. And he, he, uh, you know, I, I'm a brown belt. He's a black belt. And he, he's seen me from my entire, you know, my entire jujitsu career from white to brown now. And he kills me every time. I, yeah. I, I, every time I feel like I'm getting a little, I might get a little closer. He just mops the floor with me. Yeah. And then, you know, I think I'm like, man, like the distance between us is not changed. And he's like, you know, what's crazy is the distance between me and Kyo is bigger than the distance between you and me. And I'm like, <sighs> that's crazy because you kill me every time. And like, I've rolled with Kyo one time. It was, it was mind blowing. Like I, he knows everything I know. How, what am I supposed to do? You know? So I try, I'm like, I, I'm just going to try, I try something. And you know, he reverses the whole thing and yeah. you know, taps me a thousand times. And you know, I talked to Vitor and he's like, man, Kyo still, as long as I've been training, Kyo still taps me, you know, taps me 10 times in, in, in a 10 minute round, just like, like it's nothing. And you're just like, yeah. how could that be? How could somebody, how could somebody know jujitsu that well? I just wish I knew one thing as well as Kyle knows jujitsu, so <clears throat> yeah, and Ky- I mean Kyle won absolute right as like a 155 pound guy, wasn't it? Or yeah, I think he was a little bit lighter. Yeah. I think he competed normally at 135, and I, I he has a couple of absolute titles. I can't remember which ones. Um, I've there is video of him on on YouTube uh, competing against some pretty pretty big dudes and winning. Um, but yeah, he doesn't he doesn't care size length whatever he he uh he'll compete and he he's very very talented um the guy knows jujitsu for sure yeah that 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 i would love to you know just roll with him one time and just be like oh man that was incredible (laughs) (laughs) so but one thing you mentioned in uh with another podcast uh bjj tech nerd if you guys are listening to this you want to go check out marco he's a good friend of mine uh, you you love languages, right? Like, I do love you, languages, yeah. Um, how many languages do you speak? I speak two fluently. Uh, if you count jujitsu as a language, I know Marco and I talked about that. Jujitsu is in and of itself a language. Um, I would say I'm proficient in three, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I don't. I, I guess I haven't figured out what constitutes fluency in jujitsu. Uh, right. Is it your black belt? I don't know. Um, <laughs> In that case, that I'm not there yet, but uh, I do love languages. It's very fun to me to put the words in the right order in jujitsu. To put the techniques in the right order, right, right. That's very fun. Uh, I enjoy that, and so um, yeah. What What are your two languages? English and French, right? English and French. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's a. I I would love to learn a second language, uh, but I just I've tried. 
I, I've tried learning Spanish. I'm from Nevada, from Las Vegas. And okay. so, you know, Spanish was obviously a huge language around me when I was growing up. But uh, every time I open up the Duo app and I start using it, I'm like, oh, I got to go do something. I can't fit. <laughs> I, okay. If you want, if you are serious about learning Spanish, I will, I'm going to, I'll give you a resource. It's languagetransfer.org. Oh. Is hands down the best way to learn a language. It's better. It'll blow Duolingo out of the water. The guy who created it um, has figured out a way to teach. Uh, I, there are several languages on the on the on the app uh, or on the website rather. And uh, I know he does. So he's from he's from Cyprus or Crete. I can't remember. He's Greek. So he so Greek was the first one. My wife is Greek, and so she went through it originally, and then I've been going through it, and then. Uh, but he has French, Spanish, English, maybe German, wow. I think Portuguese on there, uh, several languages on there. And the, the beauty of that program. So if you think about like how we learn a language in school, right, they teach us the alphabet, they teach us a bunch of vocabulary, they teach us, you know, a little bits of syntax here and there and grammar and all that stuff. You know, all the, the complex stuff comes later. What we, what we think is complex. Okay. But if you think about how a child learns a language, you don't teach them the ABCs first. You just talk to them. Right. Right. That you actually teach them grammar and syntax first. Right. That's really what should be taught first so that you know what order to put the words in. It doesn't do you any good to know a bunch of vocab if you don't know how to, yeah. how to use them. Very true. So the thing that he's done is he's kind of flipped it and he starts teaching grammar and syntax first. And then he's like, okay, well, if you know how to order the words, now all you got to do is learn the vocab and then that's easy. Then you just, you know, just go through, you know, whatever vocab stuff you want to do. And then you can make more sentences. So I was amazed. So when I started going through the Greek version of it, I, I was amazed at how quickly I was able to say things that when I was learning French, it would have taken me a year to get to. I was just like, what the heck? Yeah. It's amazing. So languagetransfer.org, if anybody else listening is a, is a language nerd, uh, that is the, that's the spot to go to um, if you want to learn. No, I'm definitely going to have to check that out. But hey, Matt, I want to say uh, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was a phenomenal conversation. I learned a lot. Um, you know, it kind of challenged my mindset on what strength and conditioning looks like, even though I'm nowhere close to being an expert or anything. <laughs> so, But it was a, it was a cool conversation. I, I think you brought up some great points, a lot of hot takes that I can't wait to put out on the internet so people can uh, DM you and talk about yeah, how much smarter to. they are. <laughs> So if people want to follow you and check out your business and everything like that, where can they find you at? So um, to find me personally, it's at matt.jits.hugh, M-A-T-T dot jits, J-I-T-S dot H-E-W. Um, so that's my personal Instagram. Um, if you want, there's jujitsu, there's strength and conditioning. There's like we talked about off camera, there's uh, the skits that I've been making with Josh um so there's some there's some comedic value there uh if you want to laugh then there's some things on there for you um if you want to find the business side of things it's at victory high performance all one word um that's the the best place to find us on instagram um, our website www.victoryhighperformance.com um those would be the best places to find us and if you want that warm-up for competition just tap the link in our bio on the victory high performance page and uh you can download that for free uh, we want more people to to warm up 
properly before open mats and competition so that people get hurt less and, and spend more time on the mats. There we go. Hey, Matt, once again, thank you so much, buddy, for coming on the show today. Uh, I can't wait for people to hear this and hopefully provide some value for those that are busy people and, you know, they, they want to get stronger, they want to get injured less, and, you know, hopefully what you, you mentioned helps them out. If you guys uh, like the episode, let us know. DM me on Instagram. Comment down below on Spotify, YouTube, or whatever. Follow me, Elbows Tight, everywhere. The whole, the whole thing. Don't forget to give me a five-star review, you know, whatever. So <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home. And remember, no oil checks here. <laughs> Thanks, Travis. <laughs>